Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I've Been Thinking with your host, Brietta. That's me. Today is one of those days where I feel super privileged by the conversation that we have in front of us. I am someone who's lucky enough to benefit from sitting in both the creative world as well as the corporate world. So I love the opportunity when I can sort of like mesh those things together and bring people together. And I reached out to a former colleague of mine who I really felt like was the perfect person to have this conversation with. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is Broadway is closed until 2021. We have so many different creative entities that are either filing for bankruptcy or laying off their workforces permanently. And we don't really know what the future of the creative industry is going to be. And there are so many actors and creatives who are trying to figure out What are the next steps that I can take to either build a career that's both recession-proof and now, I guess, pandemic-proof so that they can actually support themselves when we're going through this period of transition? And when I was thinking about who can I speak to about this, I reached out to Eli Bowman, who is an international career coach. He's I mean, he himself has transitioned through several careers from management consulting to business development, startups, higher education. Um, But Eli has spent the last six years supporting over 2,000 individuals across 90 countries with purposeful career and life transitions. He's built, inspired, and led teams of hundreds of career coaches to support thousands of career changers in landing meaningful jobs um, with a 93% placement rate at global companies like WeWork in New York and Seven Career Coaching and Halt International Business School in London. He's the co-founder of Your Career Strategy, and he's a top-ranked workshop facilitator, um, and he's striving to make coaching more accessible to millions of people. And while all of that is amazing, I know him to be just a lovely human being who actually cares about people, and that to me is my currency, so I'm so excited that he's going to be chatting with us today. How are you doing today, Eli? I'm doing so, so well. That is such a uh, nice and kind introduction, and I also feel that you are a very kind and wonderful human being and care about others. So uh, we're in good company today. Yes, we're in total good company. And we and we sink on that ability to want our work to serve people. And that was sort of our initial conversation. It's like, when, when you're thinking about what you're going to put out into the world, it's always about how can I be of service to others and really help people live their best lives, which I know is something that you're doing constantly through your work. Before we jump into the conversation, I know I covered a lot about who you are, but did I miss anything? What Tell people a little bit more about who you are and the work that you do. Yeah, so, um, so I am an international career coach. Uh, I also define myself as an altruist. I really, like, I derive my energy from helping others. Mm-hmm. and. Um, the reason I got into this work is that I felt that the, our education system doesn't really support us in understanding our strengths and mm. playing to our strengths and teaches, it doesn't teach us how to play big in life. It just really focuses on how can we take an information, memorize it, listen to authority, and then regurgitate, right? Mm-hmm. And that to me is not sufficient. That's not what it means to to actually be alive in this world and and to really feel fulfilled, right? We need to be able to understand our purpose. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to be able to kind of work on these things independently uh, earlier in my career and had always felt this desire or, you know, I guess a lot of my strength areas focused in on supporting individuals with this type of growth and development. So. Uh, I chose to make this my career, and I've been doing this for, like you said, the last six years. Um, I hope to be doing this for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, right now is a pretty exciting time because I'm venturing more into like the entrepreneurial aspects of the coaching space, which is also yeah. very interesting. And you know, uh, opportunities like this to be on a podcast like this to help your listeners uh, really think through and navigate career transitions, especially such in such difficult times in such. Um, ambiguous times yeah, uh, can, can really make a difference and really aligns with my ethos. So, you know, thanks so much for having me again. I'm so excited. And I think you hit on it right at the top, which is that it's not so much that people are trying to navigate career transition, which in and of itself is super stressful, but the times are so ambiguous. Like we don't know 
what the future is going to be. And when you look at an industry that is as large and complicated as the entertainment industry, you're talking about everything from Broadway to film and television. It's being placed on a pretty much indefinite hold. And so one of the things that I really wanted to think through with you is how can creatives navigate career uncertainty? Because we know that we have these sort of like next six months, right, where people can really try to maximize this time to sort of, again, maybe pandemic-proof, recession-proof their careers. So how can creatives actually navigate the uncertainty around careers and maybe try to maximize these next several months? That's a great question. And it's actually a pretty difficult one to answer, right? Because every, like, on an individual level, uh, everyone's going to be experiencing something different emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually, uh, as it relates to their reaction to everything that's going on. So uh, the number one thing you have to do is really just check in with yourself and make sure you're okay, yeah. right? Uh, a lot of people feel this obligation to be like, okay, I have time. I need to be leveling up right now. I need to be, you know, if I'm a musician, I need to be practicing instead of like three hours a day, six hours a day. Right. And, I need to like, and I really need to push and I need to, you know, practicing my chords, my arpeggios and my scales. I need to be doing this. And like actors might be, you know, just kind of taking on, like, all right, I need to get a YouTube series going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How am I going to do that? You know, how am I going to get this thing? Right. And you feel this obligation to be delivering because you're out of work, you're not going to be able to like make money and you're like, I need to, I need to figure things out. But one thing that we tend to not take into consideration is the collective grief that's being felt by all this like destruction yeah. that's going on in the world. Right. And we need to first be okay emotionally and, and mentally before we can start uh, taking on this role as a creative, yeah. right? Like it's in the title and Clearly, if you're if you're in a creative field, you have a creative mindset. You're very imaginative. You're going to be able to come up with things, but not when you're feeling depleted. Mm. Um, so uh, that's I know that's not like super helpful as it relates to like no, how you I, start. No, I think that's wonderful because I completely agree with you. And selfishly, I'm thinking about myself in this moment because I do think that there is this pressure when you are you know, when you're someone in a creative field, by virtue of what we do, you're always looking to do something or make something or start something. It's very similar to being an entrepreneur, right? And so you're always in that mindset, which can be, it can be a little bit of a trap because to your point, you're, you're putting so much pressure on yourself to like, what do I need to do next that you really don't take the time that's necessary to really check in? I think what you said is lovely, like check in with yourself to really, you know, take assessment of actually how you're feeling and like maybe give yourself permission that this doesn't have to be a time of like super high productivity, right? Like maybe you can take a step back and that is also okay. Maybe giving yourself permission to say that that's okay as well. That's that's a hard thing to do, right? But, <laughs> so uh, hard, <laughs> especially when you have a financial obligation to pay rent. Especially yeah. if you're living in a city like New York or Los yeah. Angeles or San Francisco or you know somewhere where the price point is you know somewhere between twelve to two thousand plus dollars a month, mm-hmm. and you know savings wasn't really something that you were able to do in the first place, right? Um, that, that tends to start weighing on you as well. So you feel this obligation to uh, get to work. But um, there are ways to really take advantage of the unemployment benefits that are being offered right now. Mm-hmm. And it's important to just kind of really check in, do your research, um, call your unemployment offices. And, you know, there are sites like, you know, Backstage.com has been amazing in mm-hmm. releasing resources for like COVID-19 for actors and actresses and any individuals who are essentially any creatives right. uh, could utilize this. Um, so they know like who, where can I, where can I seek mental health support? Where can I seek support for unemployment? Um, oh, like what's available to me right now? Yeah. As an artist, right. Yeah. So uh, just give yourself some time to also settle into some research around what's available to me. That's going to help buy me some time so I can recover mm-hmm. uh, emotionally yeah. as it relates to what's going on. So I can actually hone into my creative ability because when you're feeling an obligation to create, it's not the same as when you're feeling inspired to create. Absolutely. And, 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 and that could really weigh on you. So uh, I guess right now it's just 
how can I buy myself some time Mm -hmm. and how can I be strategic? And, and that's going to be, you know, uh, if you're used to like eating out all the time, maybe it's okay. Like I need to actually walk 40 minutes to three different grocery stores Mm -hmm. where I know certain items are going to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. I need to look at this. It's like if revenues are going down for me on a month to month basis, Mm -hmm. then my costs can't stay the same. Right. They also need to reduce. And it's like a lifestyle change that you can, you can start making in order to support yourself and giving yourself that time yeah. um, to, to have this internal recovery. Because really, where are creatives making their money? It's, it's all internal talent. It's like, mm-hmm. it's you know, from their voice, from their imagination, from their mind. And these are the things that are just being totally crushed right yes, now. Yes, exactly. With, with everything that's going on. So, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel for for the creatives in this world right now. Uh, this, this is a tough environment to be in. It's a tough environment to be in. And I also think, you know, one of the things that we had, we chatted about on our previous conversation was that I also feel this sort of weight about the identity of being an artist right now. When you look at someone whose identity has been completely wrapped up in their creative and artistic work, and that's not readily available to them, then there's this idea of like, okay, I have this cost of living that I need to support. I have a family that I need to support. So I need to be finding work that, you know, will support that, but that might not necessarily, that might not be a creative or artistic sort of like path. And so like trying to sync up my identity as an artist and a creative with a lucrative or readily available career is like not the easiest transition to make. So how does a creative sort of make that pivot into a career, you know, and, and not just a career, but maybe one that can authentically use some of their creative and artistic skills? That's a great question. Uh, so fundamentally, since we were children all the way until now, we've been utilizing particular strengths and skill sets in order to do the things that we do. And, you know, there's certain energy that we have when we're doing things that play to our strengths, right? So one of the best ways for creatives or anyone in general to start thinking through what, uh, what transferable skills do I have and how can I pivot those into a career that's going to support me during this time? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, most creatives don't want to totally be out of the profession that they've chosen. It just so happens that a pivot's required right now, and mm-hmm. it might just need to be for the next few months, maybe the next year. And who knows, maybe this might turn into something that you really enjoy yeah. uh, over time, and then the, the creative aspect becomes a hobby. Um, so, you know, a lot of these skills, um, let's just take like acting in general. Uh, so if you're an actor, uh, you have to like really learn lines, you have to be very convincing, you have to be persuasive, you have to get into this role, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, let's take a look at uh, different professions that require you to do that. So uh, an interesting role that there's plenty of right now mm-hmm. uh, across a variety of different industries that could align with your interests, right? You don't want to work in something that you're not interested in. So totally. if you're a total coffee aficionado, um, and you enjoy like, oh, this like Ethiopian 100% Arabica blend. Like you kind of like talk the talk about all this stuff, but you've never read the financial aspects of the newspaper. You probably don't want to like, you know, like these balance sheets, income statements, right. stuff that doesn't interest you. <laughs> exactly. You're likely not going to err on the side of like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll work in some type of role in finance. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if there's an opportunity to work in like a, uh, I don't know, like maybe a, an organization that supports like free trade coffee or something like that. Yeah. And you take a particular role in there, that's going to give you more energy. But um, as we get to like the specifics of the role, you can start thinking about strength areas. So um, if you are already persuasive and you know how to like get into character, that could really support you in maybe a sales role, like closing the deal, mm-hmm. going in, hearing what, what clients need to say, and also, you know, playing the role of the active listener. Yeah. Um, Empathy is also a key piece and a key skill that most individuals have to have, like, again, in the acting space, right? Yeah. Um, so once you, you need to be able to feel what a character feels and mm-hmm. put yourself in their place. But that's no different than putting yourself in a position to do some type of consulting and, you know, meeting with clients to really understand what they're going through 
and empathizing with them. Uh, active listening is another skill set, curiosity, patience, critical thinking. And you'll actually notice that a lot of these key words appear mm -hmm. in job descriptions across the board. Yeah. Um, but the problem with looking for jobs is oftentimes we don't know what title to put in there, right? Like we'll go on Indeed. Yes. And be like, okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to work in New York or I want to work in LA. Like, you'll know, like where you want to work. <laughs> right, right, right. And you'll go in and you're like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, and then that's where you get stuck and then you get frustrated. Yeah. But uh, like one recommendation I'll have, and this is like a, a, a tip, like a pro tip, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of going in and typing uh, exactly whatever title you might have, take inventory of the strengths that you have and the things that you're utilizing on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And if it is like critical thinking and active listening and team, you know, like you enjoy like the team aspect of things, type in critical thinking, uh, active listening, teamwork yeah. in the, in the keyword search tool and uh, sites like indeed or the muse or, you know, LinkedIn are going to give you results where the job descriptions have those keywords in them, right? So that way you can just start taking inventory and doing your own research yeah. of different titles that exist, right? So um, I'd say the best thing that you can do right now is to just start start taking inventory of your strengths. Mm -hmm. uh, what are those things that give you energy, mm -hmm. your values? What are the, these aspects that I need to be working towards in my, in my career? Is it- right? helping is it helping others is it working for something i believe in do i need to earn a lot of money if that's the case like maybe i need to kind of give up something else unfortunately helping others and making a lot of money don't tend to don't be always yeah spectrum. don't always know, circle in the same in the same train yeah which is weird uh, but i think like starting with your values and your strengths yeah is a really really great place uh to start digging in and then leveraging those keywords in your searches to just research. You don't have to make any decisions and you don't have to, like the one pitfall for a lot of people is once you start looking at jobs out there, you start looking at not the responsibilities, but the requirements. Yeah. And it's like five years of this, um, you need a master's degree, uh, preferred requirement of this certification. And you need to have done this for like three years in this industry. Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh man, like I don't, I don't fit the mold. Exactly. Like, I'm never going to do this. And you start getting demoralized. Right. And you're like, well, you know, how am I supposed to transition if they expect all these things? And they don't, they don't, right? Yeah. The, 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 key, the key here is you can really pitch yourself and get into the right character for yourself mm -hmm. when you go and start thinking about these roles, but that's not until you've done some research and you can't allow these requirements to overwhelm you to the point where you stop the research in general and you start feeling self-pity. Yeah. For like, oh, woe is me. I don't fit in anywhere. I wanted to make a, career, a creative, I want to have a creative career. And now like, I can't even do that because of stuff that's totally out of my control. And mm -hmm. we have to remember that this is out of our control. Yeah. You know? It's out of our control. It's way bigger than us, right? And so, and because of that, there there is this tendency to fixate on how big it feels, but there is a certain freedom in the fact that it's outside of our control. This is not something that we can change this current sort of in, environment that we're in. So then focusing in on what we actually can change gives us back some of that control in the middle of that chaos. And I love what you said. I think that's such a good tip because I do feel, and you're right, this is applicable to anyone, not just creatives. But when you're in this sort of transition of trying to find a new career path, you start looking at all of these requirements and these jobs. And you say like, I don't fit that, right? I don't have that experience or, you know, I don't have that educational background, whatever it is. And so you convince yourself that there's no place for you in that, in, in that sort of like corporate or work ecosystem. And I think what you said is so spot on because focusing on your strengths and where you draw energy is not only going to help you find something, but it's going to help you find the right thing, right? Like something that you'll actually want to do, something that you that you said that I think is so good that will actually feed into your energy that matches your values and what you want to do with your life, I think is so key. So I love that tip. I, and to anyone who's listening, 
that is such a great idea to literally go in and do inventory of all of those strengths that you have, and then literally type that into LinkedIn or Indeed or any of those places and see what comes up. And I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you may start to see some trends, right? Like if you type in empathy or or if you type in like, you know, um, active listening, you might start to see some trends where you're like, oh, so this is like a career path that like maybe I can explore because it seems to be a trend that they're looking for someone with these skill sets. Yeah, and that's... Like a hundred percent, and sometimes like, like the keywords aren't going to be the answer. You're going to get yeah. like some weird jobs that pop up, and you're totally. like, this doesn't, this doesn't work. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm giving up. It's, you know, then if that's the case, then you can also take a different approach. You can start doing research on people that exist. And fortunately, LinkedIn is an amazing tool that has over, I think, like six or seven hundred million working. Prof- professionals across the world in all major organizations. So if you're like, oh, you know, I've always just think about like brands that you like, companies yeah. that you respect, mm-hmm. things that you actually buy. And you'd be like, oh man, it'd be so cool to work there. And then you take some of these keywords and you kind of throw them in and you find like some titles that might be interesting to you. You go into LinkedIn, you start typing them in under the company that you're looking for mm-hmm. um, or that interests you. And then you see different people who are working in those roles and you can then kind of see their progression on what it took to get to those roles. And a lot of people kind of write about their day to day in those roles. So you can start getting a a deeper understanding of what people do um, at companies that you might be interested in working for um, or at brands that you might be interested in working for. And what you read might be like really incentivize you to dig in a bit further, or Mm -hmm. it might just be what you needed to read to, to understand yeah, that's not for me. Right. right. Which is equally as important, right? Like to yeah. also hone in on what you don't want to lean into, I think is equally as important. I know for myself personally, as someone who's been navigating, you know, um, my creative career, as well as, you know, working with within corporate entities, it has helped me steer my path of really understanding what I don't want to lean into, right? Even if those opportunities are lucrative, or even if those opportunities are afforded to me, knowing that spending my energy and my time not just with the company that I respect, but doing things that actually feed into me has been super important. So I think that that is also a really great tip of like understanding sort of what what you inherently don't want to do is just as important as understanding what you do want to do. That's that's right on the mark, Brietta. Well, and one of the things that you said that I think is really key to this research part is like when you go into LinkedIn, which is a fantastic example, there are people there who are almost like journaling their corporate journey, right? And so you're getting a lot of data and a lot of insight, not just about what it takes to get a career, but it's also sort of like you get this insight of what what would my day-to-day look like, right? Like, or or what does growth look like in that particular field? And I think there's so many um, wonderful people out there who are just completely sharing tons of valid information. I mean, you are someone that I follow on LinkedIn and you're giving like tons of great information all the time, which even if it's not pertinent to me in this moment, could be pertinent to me like a year from now. It's shareable information that you can be sharing with other people. So I think that that's great. But do you do you think that I guess one of the things that I often wonder about is like, how does someone sort of start to make those connections, right? Like you, you do your research or you, you're, you're navigating the job search and you're really trying to get into the inbox of someone. Like, how do you do that? That part, I, I said to someone yesterday, you can ask me to stand on a stage in front of 5,000 people and saying, I will have no problems with that. Ask me to do like a cold call or a cold email. And it's literally terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying to me. So how does someone like navigate that part to start making those connections or networking? That's that's the tough part, right? It's um, you know, LinkedIn does have a few features where you do these searches. Let's say you come across someone that you're interested in speaking with, uh, and maybe they only have like two, three hundred connections on LinkedIn. That's like where I always check first because mm-hmm. the more connections they have, the higher the likelihood that they spend some time on the platform. Okay. Um, so if 
you know, if, if it's someone with like less than like 300, 500 connections, it's not saying that they don't use a platform, but um, it's not a top priority for them. So, you know, you can connect with someone through the platform and you always want to send a note alongside that. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to connect with them, um, send a note, but that note's capped at 300 characters. And it's really, really hard to convey what you want to convey <laughs> right? in just 300 characters. Although really good writing exercise for creatives. I was just going to say, that's a great, that's a great writing exercise because I don't think I've ever been able to cap anything at 300 characters. So that's a, that's a good (laughs) exercise. So that's, that's a traditional way of utilizing LinkedIn to like have a connection. But after you send that request, if they Mm -hmm. don't accept it or they ignore it, then you have no other way of communicating with them. Yeah. Right. But a few um, other ways that you can communicate is, let's say this individual that you want to connect with has written some articles um, and they're featured articles on LinkedIn, or uh, they've commented something and you see like it, that what they've done in their activity Mm -hmm. and you can kind of go in and you can comment something in, you can uh, tag them, even though you're not friends with them, you can actually at them, right? Right. If you want to attract their attention. You can do that before you send a note and just say, wow, this is like a really inspiring article that you wrote. I found this point, this point quite interesting. And I've also read this. And then Mm -hmm. you can link to something else that this other person wrote. And you can like just kind of do these um, basically uh, very strategic flattery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's basically I'm going to flatter you and I'm going to do it strategically and I'm going to make it not too super obvious. And I Mm -hmm. want to do it publicly because I want you to know that I do find what you're doing interesting. Yeah, And then you can begin a conversation. Uh, maybe then they'll connect with you. And then uh, from there, you've already established some type of rapport. Right. Now, that's like how you do it within the platform. But if mm-hmm. you want to take it off the platform, there is this tool that I like to use called Scrap, S-K-R-A-P-P. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a Chrome Web Store application. So if you're not using Google Chrome, I'd recommend uh, using it for this particular feature. Right. And what it does is it essentially, um, once you're on someone's profile, you basically just click the, the application, which is at the top toolbar mm-hmm. uh, of your Chrome browser, and it scrapes the LinkedIn profile and gives you their email address. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to then write and craft a very uh, direct email. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in these emails, you don't want to like ask for anything, right? Like you want... You want the subject to be, you don't want it to be like, oh, um, how are you today? <laughs> like, right. you want, like, you, like you can just say quick question, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's enough of a subject mm-hmm. where I know if I receive something like that, it's like, huh, what, wonder what the question is. It's, right. it, it sparks enough curiosity where I'm like, okay. And always start cordial, you know, like I hope you're well, given mm-hmm. everything that's happening. Right. Uh, because you, you don't want to just like pop into something. You want to introduce yourself, like, who are you? How'd you come across the profile? Um, and what about their experience really stood out to you? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to learn more about your journey doing X, Y, and Z based on like what I've read. Right. You're not asking, oh, I'd love to know if there are open roles. I'd love to send you my resume. And so many people just kind of are like, yeah, yeah, let, let me just send my resume to this person. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of people typically go for like the the recruiters and the HR departments first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's not the way decisions get made. Um, Like internally, you and I both work together. We we know like the first first point of reference is going to be either an internal promotion Mm -hmm. or it's going to be a referral from someone on the team. Yep. Um, or, you know, if it's not someone that you directly work with, someone else in the organization that you work with. Right. The, a um, trusted person yeah. within their environment that they that they know if Brietta says meet this person, they trust them enough to, to explore it. A hundred percent. And that's really where like 80 percent of the uh, the roles are filled. They're, yeah. they're filled through these references and these referrals. Mm-hmm. So the goal here is to try to have some patience. And I know it's difficult because it's yes. like, I need to make money. Like I want people to know I'm looking for a job and, and he, but they don't even have a job advertised on their website. I'm just like, just, yeah. I have visions of all the clients I've ever worked with just saying <laughs> the same things. You know? Right, right, right. And it's like, uh, like I, I just need a job now. It's like, okay, if you need a job now, we can get you any job yeah. um, that you can do. And, and it's not going to really fulfill you. But the goal here is to start 
building rapport and start finding this career that's going to really inspire and motivate you mm -hmm. to do more. So you need to build rapport with people who are either like the hiring managers or a member of the team of, of the hiring manager for that. Yeah. Role. Not so much the recruiters because the hiring manager is going to be like, Hey recruiter, I met this person, throw them into the pipeline and let's make sure they get scheduled before anyone else. Right. Right. I love that. You know, the thing that you said that I think is really so key in this is that like, and I just had this aha moment where it's, you have to maybe not have to is a strong way of saying it, but it's probably a good idea to separate that sort of immediate need of like, I need a job, I need to make money versus, you know, career pathing, right? Which is what you, which is what your specialty is. Because to your point, like finding a job, you can, you can stumble upon something that's going to get you some sort of level of income, whether it's enough that you need or not, you could probably do that. But to your point, doing this sort of relationship building, this sort of networking can put you on the path to really find something that has longevity, right? Which I think is really the key. And I think that's the thing that I've been feeling in this current environment. It's like, you know, this is new and unprecedented. We know we've heard the word unprecedented attached to COVID-19 since the beginning, but I can see where this is going to continue to impact people for years. And yeah. so using this time frame to really get on track to find something that can survive sort of the ebbs and flows that are going to be inevitable. You know, there's no part of our lives that it has not been touched by the ambiguity and the uncertainty. So like playing that long game, right, I think is super important. And I think to your point, it just takes a little bit of the pressure off because we've all been there. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who is currently actively job seeking and she is right in the throes of that, which is like, I need something yesterday and like, I can't find anything. And so how do you, how do you help I know you've helped so many people find careers, but how do you help people with that mindset part of it? Because it's really stressful. It's super scary. And I know for me, it's it feels very vulnerable, right? To put yourself out there, especially, you know, for some of the people that I know who are creatives by trade have never really dabbled into true career searching. It's super vulnerable because you feel like you don't quote belong in that world. And so how do you help people with the mindset so that they can really optimize this moment that we're in? <sighs> That's always the toughest part. You know, it's, the, gotta... it's the hardest part. That's why I asked you because yeah. I have, I, I've, I know that I have struggled with that in the past of like, Everything from imposter syndrome to like, um, I don't fit into that corporate culture. Like, you know, I always feel sort of like the shiny wheel in the middle of all of these like corporate execs. And so, you know, because I am an, I am a creative, I am an artist. And so I don't want to lose that. That's who I am. But I also know that there are other parts and of myself and my skills that I can certainly monetize and love doing. Um, so that mindset part of it is truly the hardest part. It is. It's, um, it's, it's hard to hear, but you, you have to want it. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, yeah, it's, um, it's usually like this internal struggle with yourself. It's, uh, it's really, it really stems from like the way that you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of my clients that are able to start pivoting, um, we would just kind of start analyzing the language that they're using with themselves in their head, mm -hmm. you know, as they're thinking about these changes, like, are you saying, man, this is never going to work. Like, I, I just, I need something now. If I don't get it now, I'm going to lose, you know, everything's going to go south. Like I'm going to lose my apartment. Uh, I'll never work again, you know, and then you start getting into this negative thought pattern, right? Yeah. So, one thing that I find um, myself doing quite a lot is kind of drawing attention to the negative thought loops. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is where like a coach is really helpful because yeah. you're verbalizing a lot of the stuff that's going through your head. You're not just thinking it. Yeah. So they start saying things and I just stop them. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, let's just repeat what you just said and let's break down and analyze um, 
the structure, the words used, right. the, the emotion behind those words, where is that coming from? Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it's tough to do this on your own. Um, it's not impossible though. Yeah. If, if you're willing to do the work, I'd encourage anyone who feels like they're in this negative place and they feel super uncertain, they feel like nothing's working out for them right now to, as, as they, they are feeling these feelings, yeah. pause and say, what, what thoughts are behind those feelings right now? Mm-hmm. And see if you can like bring those thoughts forward, maybe write them down. And you need to ask yourself, like, are these things true? Yeah. Like, is what I'm saying true? Is, is my mind really the thing that's telling is, – is my mind always honest with me? I don't right. think so. That's so – Eli, that is so true and so good because one of the things that people – I know for myself, you get stuck in your own narrative, right? And you're telling yourself – you're just repeating this, this litany of things to yourself that you believe to be true because you're not hearing anything to combat that. You know what I mean? So you say to yourself like, oh, well, you know, the number one thing that I think I hear consistently from my artist friends, is like, well, no one's hiring. And I keep saying, well, that that's not true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, you know, or it's like, it's so hard. There's so many people who are unemployed and like, I'll never get, and it's like, all of those things might be true in some sense, but the narrative that you're telling yourself is that like, it's not worth trying or like, it's too hard or any of those things. So I think that that is so key. Yeah. That's, but that's the hardest part. Right. And it's, it's, can I catch myself before I wreck myself? Right, right, (laughs) right. Exactly. And and that's, I'd highly recommend, you know, I know a lot of artists um, have a tough time with meditation. I don't know why, uh, we can't like sit still. Of, yeah, <laughs> we yeah, can't yeah. sit still long enough. But there's there's a very interesting approach to like mindfulness mm-hmm. that really does help support catching yourself in these thought patterns. Mm-hmm. And even if you could just practice this for like one minute, start at one minute, and you just sit there and you just focus on your breath. And once you, as soon as you stop, you catch yourself focusing on something other than the breath. It's like, mm-hmm. what is that? Is that a uh, like is that a positive thought or is that a negative thought? Right. Okay. Or is it neutral? Maybe it's mm-hmm. neither. Mm-hmm. Just, just label it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, what, what emotion does, does that incite? And then uh, you, you list the emotion uh, associated with that. And then you're like, okay, let me get back to my breath. Right. And then you just focus on that. You can just do that for like one to two minutes to start. But, you know, the brain uh, works uh, with like the neural pathways that you've been building ever since you were born. Yeah, And we have like these behaviors that are learned and the neural pathways just tend to uh, fire. The synapses right. are just firing like nonstop. <laughs> right, right, right. And we never find time to, to look at that space. You know, let me put it in like musical terms, right? Like if, if you're playing a piece and you never stop playing the notes mm-hmm. um, and you have no rest between the notes, you're not going to have a beautiful melody. Right. You're just going to have... Uh, either a very interesting modern piece of music, yeah, 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 or <laughs> or, or, or something that that just sounds like you're just slamming on the keyboard nonstop, right. right? So it's the same thing. Like there's this melody to life, and the rests between your thoughts that transform into an emotion, and your emotion that transform to reaction, are really, really important because in the rest like in those periods of rest mm-hmm. and those pauses, you're able to like really start understanding what's happening in the music. That is so beautiful. I like, I I'm taking, I'm soaking that in. Like, I hope that this is as helpful for people who are listening as it is for me, because I know for myself that rest is something that is super difficult for me because I want to be productive. I don't, I think, and I think, again, as actors or anyone who's in that creative space, our very career sort of depends on like harnessing the moment, right? Like you, you're racing, you don't ever want to miss an opportunity, right? Because you're never sure if that opportunity is going to come back around again. And I think to your point, we have conditioned ourselves to just like keep going, keep going, keep going. And that rest part that you talked about, I think is such a beautiful example 
of why it's okay to normalize sort of like the ebbs in in the pace, right? Like to not see that as like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting here. I'm not, you know, there's nothing happening, which is, you know, for working actors who are really out in the grind for working creatives who are really hustling in this moment. Anytime that there's a lull in anything, you just panic, right? <laughs> because you because that to you means like I'm missing something or there's an opportunity passing me by or financially I could have, you know, done something to make, you know, uh, uh, make some money or make, you know, harness an opportunity. And it's like, I think what you're saying is really important to like normalize this idea of, embracing rest as a part of the process, right? Like it's not stopping the process. It's a part of the process. Always a part of the process, whether it's like actually resting in real life yeah, or just resting between thoughts mm-hmm. or resting between emotions and reactions. Right. And, and then, it's, you know, those are like the core, the core foundations of everything in life. It's, yeah. it's thoughts, it's emotions, and then how we react. And, um, yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay to pause. Like if whoever's listening, if you need permission right now to just pause, you have it. We promise you, it's okay to do that. Totally. Like I, first of all, I'm taking this permission for myself and and extending it to everyone who's listening because I do think. I mean, I think this is probably the power of having a coach or having someone that can both hold you accountable, but can also help steer sort of your patterns. Because, um, you know, I'm lucky enough, my mom is a therapist. So I always say I get three free therapy, which like God knew what he was doing. He knew I needed like <laughs> someone on call 24 seven. And one of the things that she often talks about is the fact that it's very hard for us to heal ourselves with, with like damaged thinking, right? So you need to be talking to someone, whoever that is, right? Whether it's a friend, a trusted family member, a coach, you know, someone who can help you. I think what you said earlier is really, really key to help you verbalize actually what you're thinking, because when it's trapped inside of your head, sometimes you don't know how faulty that thinking is until you're forced to verbalize it. And then I know for myself, there have been times where I've said something out loud. I'm like, oh, wow, I really think that? Or like, oh, wow, that's that's something that I need to be looking at or exploring. So when you're working with the people that, you know, the people that you're coaching and that you're helping sort of, do you have any sort of like examples of people or, or maybe ways that people have sort of navigated into sort of like a more positive place? Because there's got to be people who have done this the right, like who have gotten this moment right. I'm sure there are lots of examples, but do you have any examples of, of people or instances where people are really like harnessing the moment and, and, and are able to like pivot? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, some of those people are, are very close to me, right? So, um, so I have, I, you know, you and I were talking earlier, mm-hmm. but I do have a lot of creatives in my family. Totally. Uh, I have, you know, my father is, has, you know, 40 years experience in like the food and beverage industry, but his whole life from when he was a kid, he's a musician yeah. uh, and a composer. And, um, you know, he, now he like composes ballets and like puts together these orchestrations and he's retired. Uh, so he can do that full time. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, on the other, on the other side, I have my brother. And he's a he's a Brooklyn-based tattoo artist, mm-hmm. and he's just so exceptionally talented. But like a lot of other professions right now, um, there's no work. Right, you can't yeah. get super close to another human being. Totally, and stick needles in their skin to right. you know create this art. Right, so um, it was interesting, kind of watching him and talking to him on almost a daily basis because he was in the epicenter in New York. Yeah. of everything that was going on and just kind of seeing like the emotional ebbs and flows and the struggle of like wanting to create and wanting to do this work that he loves, but he, yeah. he couldn't do it. And seeing how he was able to, you know, he was, he was looking for like other ways to generate revenue, but mm-hmm. fortunately like with unemployment and the, um, you know, s- sort of happened like around the time that like uh, tax returns were coming sure. in. So that yeah. was helpful, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but he's like, I guess he was speaking with a few of his other friends who are, who are tattoo artists and they were like, you know, maybe we could do this, uh, raffle 
So we'll do these designs and we're going to raffle them mm-hmm. uh, for whenever things open up, whoever wins the raffle and you can enter for like five bucks. Um, you'll, you'll win this design yeah. and you have the, yeah, you know, just traditional raffle. So right. just kind of, just kind of seeing like this creative approach mm-hmm. to uh, like as an artist to gather some income, support one another and still, uh, you know, give something at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I, there's, there's a sizable amount of people who are willing to invest like $5 for the chance to like win this, what would be a thousand dollar tattoo. 100%. You know I mean? um, so this is like just seeing people kind of get into this mindset, like what, so, you know, I ask them like, what can you do right now to mm-hmm. s- still allow you to be creative, do the things that you like to do and, and generate some income and you know, it wasn't just from us talking, but it's like also collaborating with other people who are in this space right now. Yeah, that's and, so key. Talking, talking to your community. Um, this is going to be really important to, you know, share ideas and just kind of have this abundance mindset with ideas. Just because uh, if you have an idea and it's really good, doesn't mean you can't share that with other people that are struggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, givers gain at the end of the day. Whatever you give comes back to you tenfold and you have to adopt that mindset and, mm-hmm. and life life will just flourish for you. So um, luckily things are opening back up for my brother, but he did like a few of these raffles. Um, he was able to make it like on the unemployment side. So for him, it wasn't like a traditional, like career pivot totally. that I can make at this time. Yeah. Uh, but it was, how can I leverage my creativity during this time to think outside of the box on ways that I can generate income doing what I enjoy. Right. And I think a lot of other artists can be doing the same. Like if you're a singer, you know, my father, for example, has yeah he does ballets but he's just about to release this uh, French love ballad that he claimed I be a, love that yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you I'll send yeah it to you. send it's it actually, to me yeah it's ready to go it's, it's oh, released I can't wait today um so you know he he's been working on this thing but he uses fiber and he's like ah, where am I gonna find a French singer and he goes on there he met this guy in Morocco. Um, who for, you know, whatever his rate was, would do, you know, one minute of singing for this particular rate. That's amazing. then he found like a backup singer in, I forget where she was. Maybe it was in France, actually. Mm -hmm. So so she was his backup singer. And then he was the producer and he like, you know, produced the whole thing. And, you know, right now, if you're a singer and you're like, okay, well, I can't work in person, Mm -hmm. but I I can work virtually. And there are a lot of people looking for voice actors right now. Um, a lot of people looking for uh, singers to like yeah, promote in their, in their music. They just yeah. need singers that they, they don't know of. They have like good voices, et cetera. Um, so check it out, see what's out there. The gig economy is the future. Right. So uh, I know that's not gonna afford you health insurance and I know that's not gonna afford you, especially in the US. And that's yeah. like a different conversation. Totally. It's, it's totally busted here. If you can, Go to Europe, and, right. and you know, they, they have universal health care, so that means you can just kind of uh, or national health care. So right. that means you can you don't need to rely on work to, to yeah know exactly that you're be taken care of. It's a little bit tougher here in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, um, but the gig economy is is good in the fact that you can start kind of building up your own clientele mm-hmm. and still do what you enjoy doing. So it's always like, oh, I need to make this pivot. It's just I just need to do something a bit differently. Um, yeah. You know, same for like classical musicians. Like there's this organization called groupmuse.com. And, you know, I used to host uh, concerts in the city for these musicians. Um, and generally it was a place and a platform for individuals to get together who enjoy classical music. It was accessible. It was like not in a concert hall. It was in like, you know, I used to do them in the WeWork space. Yeah, yep. Um, but now with COVID, you can't really get together like that. But mm-hmm. what they've done is they've taken the platform virtual. So yeah. musicians, um, they, they have some education for musicians on uh, setting up microphones in order to like really make sure like the sound is on point and things like that. But you can set up your own group news. You'll have like an MC either through group news or you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And you'll have maybe like somewhere between like 10 to 25 or 30 individuals who show up to these virtual uh, concerts. I will. love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And they would donate to you virtually, right? So it's you're, you're essentially busking professionally. Right. Uh, virtually, and you're getting an audience through this platform. Yeah. Uh, now, 
group music specifically for classical music yes mm-hmm. you can do like like modern stuff um you can but it has to be like a 50 50 mix yeah so um now that everything is virtual it doesn't matter if you're based in new york or san francisco or philly where they had like main like a lot of like the uh, in-person performances mm-hmm. you can do this from anywhere in the world and I, i'd highly recommend for any type of musicians um even if you're a singer you know try try some arias some mozart arias and right then, you know, exactly there, um take it to something a bit more modern and start doing some of your own compositions right so i don't know like th- these are just some different ways that you can be out of the box in your thinking as it relates to how can I make money doing what I love? Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, then you can also start thinking about alternative approaches where let's say you're an actor or an actress and you want to get into something where you can like utilize these skill sets. So, you know, law firms, um, uh, doc, like, uh, hospitals and medical facilities always hire people to role play, uh, as, uh, patients or yeah, exactly. you know, people on the defense and things mm-hmm. like that. And those, those jobs are not few and far between. A lot of people like are still hiring for those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also like you don't think of it, but like sales schools or sales academies or companies that like focus on the sales side of things do hire actors for sales training yeah. uh, for individuals, or maybe you don't need to even like do the role playing side. There's like sales training. Mm-hmm. And that's all about like pitching and performing and, um, you know, just kind of like knowing how to handle objections and how do we use improvisational techniques in order to support, you know, handling things quickly. Right. And maybe those jobs don't exist, but if you go into an organization that has a sales department and you know, it's a big sales department and you know, sales needs to generate revenue, especially during this time, things are tough. Right. If you know how to handle objections. Maybe you can pitch that for yourself. Um, as as a potential path, if they have opportunities available, even if it's not a full time role, it's like okay, well, what about like a contract gig? Maybe I can do it for a little while. Let's try this out. I um, I think that's such a good idea because I think that what I'm what I'm taking away from this, which I think is super important and a tangible tip for people, which is like even if the job doesn't exist, right? Like you can be pitching sort of the value add that your skills can bring to a role or to a company. And to your point, maybe it's not a full-time gig. Maybe it's not even a part-time gig. Maybe it's, you know, a a contract or a freelance or whatever it is, but there are people, everyone is looking to be innovative and creative right now. And so that is something that we have the advantage on as creatives in that we know inherently how to come up with creative solutions and how to make something happen out of very little and all of those things. So I think that that's a really good idea. Like if you know someone in an industry and you have that sort of connection, this would be the perfect time to be like, Hey, have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? Like that's something that I could possibly bring to the table. And like, you know, you pay me for a couple hours, like to your point, sort of like building your own niche, which for a lot of people becomes, you know, the thing that they do, right? Like you could hone in on something that you actually love doing and could continue to do and build as a side business or even your full-time business if it becomes successful and lucrative enough, which I I mean, I think we're in such a space where everyone's trying to come up with solutions that it's not unheard of or even looked down upon for you to be coming to people or going to people and be like, Hey, here's what I can add. Maybe you're not looking for that, but have you ever thought of it? Yeah. I just, uh, I hope people can get over this like fear, right? Yeah. That is the hardest part. It is. And, and I just like to reframe fear for, for your audience right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So if any of the suggestions and tips kind of make you feel this like you're stretching yourself too mm-hmm. far and you start feeling this resistance towards the idea. Yeah. It's really, really important to remember that resistance is the sign that you're about to break through to like the next iteration, the next evolution of yourself, right? Yeah, totally. You know, um, so when you feel this resistance and this fear towards doing something, now there's a difference between like, oh my God, like, uh, I'm, you know, I don't know if you've seen those videos of the people who do the squirrel suits and yeah, they're like uh-huh. flying like on the side <laughs> right. of the mountains yeah, yeah. and they're like, no, I'm not talking about that kind of fear. Like that's, exactly. that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's awesome that's like rational that fear. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's rational fear. But like these like irrational fears are like, oh my gosh, um, if I say this to this person, they're going to, I'm going to be annoying them. They're going to think I'm stupid. I'm going to be wasting their time. They're going to like hate me. 
none of that stuff is true. You cannot uh, prove that that's true. Mm -hmm. These are all excuses your ego is making for you in order to protect you from feeling that rejection or to, to protect you um, from putting yourself out there. Uh, because it's safer. It's yeah. safer to be here, it, right? In theory, it's safer. In theory, it's safer, but really, that's just you playing small. Mm -hmm. um, and we're so much bigger than that. We're creators in our own life. Yeah. And we really, and the only way we're going to get to continue to create is if we keep challenging this resistance that we feel towards all these things that are, you know, irking us or mm -hmm. it just just causing us to kind of. Uh, move back into this yeah, area. Yeah, shy comfort, away right? from it. And I, I, it's so funny that you're saying this because I think that a lot of people don't understand that this is a part of the work that you're doing, that it's not, you know, the job searching part is like step two or three. You know what I mean? In the process that really this work of like challenging those misconceptions that you have, like, and, and at least I know for me, one of the things that I've tried to do in my life is to just name it, right? Like, oh, Brietta, you're afraid right now. You know what I mean? Even if I can't like do anything about it, like at least acknowledging and naming, like, what is that I'm feeling? Oh, I feel intimidated. Or like, what is that I'm feeling like? Oh, like they're going to think I'm dumb or like, you know, I don't want, I don't want to show up too big and, and in that space or any of those things. I think that's so important. And I don't think enough people, I don't think we've normalized the fact that like that is a part of the work and that everyone is dealing with that on some level. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think labeling um, what you're feeling like that is a great, great way to like kind of just put a tack in something. And yeah. Like, All right, this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And is that enough to hold me back? Yeah. No. That's so good. That's so good. Eli, I could talk to you forever because this is the type of stuff where I really feel like it's going to absolutely help people navigate what is, you know, it's, it's a scary time. There's so much happening in the world right now that is so big and so large and it, it can feel overwhelming. And, and that's why reaching out to Eli was sort of my way of helping us get a little bit more tangible. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, like as creatives, all we do is feel, right? Like we're just constantly, <laughs> we're just constantly in our feelings. And so we feel like we're doing a whole lot, but like, no, we're just sitting and marinating in our feelings. And so I wanted to talk with someone who could like help us be a little bit more action-based and tangible about sort of how to navigate these next steps. And I, I'm so appreciative, Eli, of you sharing from all, all of your wealth of experience with us today. Before we end, I want you to share with people sort of like where people can find you um, online, some of the different places, and we'll make sure to share it in the podcast notes. But how can people find you online? Best place is always going to be LinkedIn. I kind of live there uh, mm -hmm. as a career coach, <laughs> you know. Uh, so LinkedIn, Eli Beaumont. Um, I'm also on Instagram at I am Eli Beaumont. Uh, and also I'll be launching this, uh, this company called Your Career Strategy. We're going to be doing a, a very interesting series of workshops to really focus in on who you are and what you want so you know what you want to target. And then mm. um, we'll be supplementing that with one-to-one -one career coaching afterwards. So you know, if you start following me on these platforms, you're going to see a lot more of me uh, just kind of putting myself out there. You're going to see a lot of uh, ads that were, you know, content essentially that yeah. we're putting out for your career strategy. So um, that's where you can find me right now. And, and before we like sign off, I just want to say, if you listened to this point, thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. Um, but more than that, uh, before you like sign off and go do whatever you're about to do next, I think it's important that you just kind of take a minute and I want you to write your three takeaways from this podcast, but actually write it down, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's on the notes app on your iPhone or your Android, or like actually physically write it down. Mm -hmm. And then in the next 24 hours, this is one action I plan on taking. Um, so three takeaways. And in the next 24 hours, what is one action I will take? Like I used to listen to podcasts all the time and I can't tell you what 98% of the content was right. that like went through my ear into my brain and out of my brain and then out of the other ear. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if you want to take away something from this, it's important mm -hmm. to write it down and actually write some type of action you plan on taking. Yeah. So, so make sure to do that. 
That's that's amazing. And absolutely, we are going to make sure that that is something that we're actually going to do. I was just thinking as you were saying that, that is something that I'm going to absolutely do the minute that we sign off, write down my three takeaways and really, you know, write down an action item so that I can hold myself accountable for for taking some steps and moving forward. I love that. That's so good. Well, to everyone who's listening, I... I've said it before and I'll, I, I'll keep saying it because I mean it. I started this podcast because I wanted to create a space and a place for us to think a little bit more deeply, to connect us with people who are going to make us feel a little bit more deeply. And Eli is absolutely one of those people. He's so smart and so passionate about the work that he does, but he just genuinely cares about people. And for me, there's nothing better than having a conversation with someone who actually cares about what people are are doing in their lives and trying to help them navigate to their best selves. So thank you all so much for listening. I can't wait to hear your takeaways from today's episode. We'll have ways that you can share it with us. And until next time, have a great day. Bye.